This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mikel Arteta has hit back at claims that he is leaving Arsenal while simultaneously ruling out the potential of some January signings. Meanwhile, Arsenal take on Nottingham Forest as Premier League action returns. However, there's not so good news surrounding Thomas Partey's availability for this fixture. This is the Arsenal Transfer Show. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of what is our Arsenal transfer show. Joining you every morning at 8am UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. It's the, uh, there's only three more of these left, believe it or not. We've got, I say three, we might do one the day after deadline day, although I'm not sure that we will. Of course, as you know how this works, the Arsenal transfer show goes on a month before the window opens and goes through until the window closes. And then we start the Arsenal news show back up again during the period between those windows up until, well, June, um, we'll be doing the Arsenal news show. And uh, yeah, it's you see on the screen where it says Arsenal transfer show episode 428 and you think, well, that's a lot. But then you realise actually we've done like 300, nearly 400 Arsenal news shows on top of that as well. Yes, we've been doing 8am's for basically nearly three years. Um, crazy scenes. Um, but I've enjoyed every second of it. So thank you so much for tuning in. As always, good morning to those that are live with us. Black Shine, Graham, Jimbo, Amesy, Clincy, Errol. Um, we got James and Jimbo and Louis and Tony and Martin. Uh, we've got Rich, Stephen, Morgie, Martin. Uh, Amira, uh, Mike, uh, and plenty more of you guys and girls as well. Marcus, I see too. Steve, Temi, Scouse, Guna, uh, Peter and Glenn. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Do please drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you are new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. Um, Matthew says, why don't you do a transfer roundup day after separate if you have time? I could do that. I could do that. You're right. That is that is possible. And I am off on Friday. So there's potential, Matthew, for that to happen. But uh, we'll cross that bridge if and when it comes. I'll tell you what, though. It has been a transfer window where I have done one tactical breakdown. Usually when we have like a transfer window, I'm doing loads of tactical breakdowns on players that we've been linked to. But I've not needed to. We did one on Amadou Anana, and that was it. 
because we've just not been linked with players that we might be signing with any real validity to it. So we've not needed to do the, uh, at all, not needed to do the tactical breakdown show. Um, so yeah, but still so many of you've watched still many, so many of you have tuned in and we're very close to hitting uh, 54,000 subscribers as well. So thank you to the support that you've continued to give the channel. As I mentioned, it is indeed match day. And if you want to get our thoughts on the game against Nottingham Forest, which takes place at 7.30 PM tonight, uh, you can go back and watch our preview show that we did. I was joined by Dan, Tom and Jordan from our Discord server to have a good chat uh, about Nottingham Forest against Arsenal tonight. We gave our lineups. We talked about the team news. We talked about the narratives surrounding certain players. We talked about some of Mikel Arteta's comments, which we're also going to talk about this morning. And we talked a little bit about Matt Turner, of course, as well, who faces his former club. Once again, the new notes of Vars will be in the squad. So we move into today's transfer stories. And we start uh, with one regarding Marquinhos. Of course, the Arsenal um, winger who was on loan at Nantes for the first half of the season has been recalled. But Luis Fabiani, uh, who is part of uh, Itasia, um, which is a Sao Paulo-based um, journalist outlet, uh, he has reported that Corinthians are interested in signing uh, Marquinhos. And that, in fact, their uh, recruitment people could be flying into London uh, and hoping to improve things. Oh, is the connection going weird for you? I'm sorry if it is. That's uh, not good. It's probably the uh, the Wi-Fi. My bad. Um, but uh, we're back. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so Marquinhos uh, will be, hopefully, I, I suppose we're hoping that he's sold and we get a, a good fee for him. That is the hope that we do. Um, and I'm hoping that we get a good fee because he cost us about 3 million euros. Um, 3 million? Yeah, 3 million euros. 3.5 million euros, I think it was. About 3 million pounds. And um, we're hopeful that that he will indeed be moved on for, if not the same price, then a little bit more. Um, and that's what we'll hope for uh, with Marquinhos. But it's not been a successful signing so far. And as I've heard and reported, every option is open for Marquinhos. It could be returning to the youth side. It could be going out on loan again. It could be um, signing for another team on a permanent deal. But at the moment, it's uh, we'll, we'll give you the, the, the news as soon as we get some more about it. Uh, Mikel Arteta uh, has, however, we've got to talk about his press conference, which is going to take up the bulk of today's news he was answering questions surrounding the reports that emerged from Spain which claimed that he would be moving on at the end of the season and when he was asked about it if he would be leaving he says who me no that's totally fake news what you read yesterday I don't know where it's coming from it's totally untrue and I'm really upset about it he was asked about the report that came out he says I could not believe it I don't know where it's coming from it's got no sources it's got nothing and I think we have to be very cautious when we talk about personal things to put it in the way that it was put out yesterday he was asked about having unfinished business at Arsenal to which he said I'm in the right place I'm with the right people I feel really good about it and as I said many times I'm immersed in a beautiful journey with this football club these players this staff and our people and I'm investing still a lot for them and about the potential of being linked with Barcelona he says that's something we cannot control this is a part of football that's something very different to someone putting out a statement for something that I'm doing that's very different the other one is just a part of football and this industry that's it and lastly he was asked of course about whether or not he would be signing a new contract to kind of put to bed any question marks about his future he says I've got a strong relationship with the board with their do the team with the ownership things come in a natural way and we've always done it that way and it's been done very well 
when the time is right, we'll have those discussions and I'll think about the best way to do that. And I'm not surprised that he was so angry about it uh, and took it so personally. He was asked later on by some of the other journalists on why he was so angry about yesterday's report regarding his future for himself. Is it anger for himself or was it for the fans? And he says, well, one is a consequence of the other. First of all, because I'm really cautious of when I talk publicly about my personal things and when someone puts out a statement about what I said or did, it is upsetting. I understand that we are in this industry and the second one is that no one deserves to hear that in news like that. I've always been really straight and I will say completely the opposite to that of how happy and grateful I am and how much I enjoy where I am right now. So that's the reason as to why I'm upset. And you can't blame the guy. You really can't blame the guy for being upset. If you imagine being in a job and you have no intention of leaving and you're doing what you believe to be is a good job, no matter what critics you might have, and then you find out that someone's been going around saying publicly that you're leaving and they're saying it as if it's fact, not like not an opinion, not like talking in a, in a terms of because everyone's allowed and entitled to have an opinion. It's very different to put out something that says categorically Arteta has told people that he's considering leaving and claiming that to be true when it's not been double source, triple source, checked, checked with the club, uh, whether or not it's true. Uh, and certainly Mikel Arteta is, is well within his rights to, to call it what it was. And I don't really like the term fake news because I think it gets used in a wrong way quite a lot. I think it gets used to just basically um, kind of detach what is actually fact. Like a fact would be labeled at someone and they can just be like fake news when it's actually not. And it is true, and it happens quite a lot politically. But we won't go down that dark pathway. But certainly in this context, Arteta is more than within his rights to label it what it is because he has no intention of leaving Arsenal. And from my understanding, the the club, and he is very calm about his future and about his time at the club that is expected to be extended. I hope that it's going to be extended, but there's no expectation that it won't be extended. Um, But I really do hope that, um, and and hope anyway, that... uh, that we find ourselves in a position where Arteta is continuing as Arsenal manager because I think that is still the right pathway forwards for the club. Uh, Moving into team news, he was asked about the latest team news and he said, uh, we've got some late decisions to make. Thomas won't be one of those, but we have a few that have had some issues at the end of the last game and we're still uncertain about those. He was asked if Partey will be in the squad and he said Thomas is not in the squad. No, it's what it is. You want everybody available and he's a top player for us, a really important player for us, but at the moment he's not fit yet. He was asked about whether Partey will be involved against Liverpool and he said we will see. We'll see how it evolves and if that's too short or that's okay. So the Partey one is frustrating. Of course, we've seen him in training. We've seen him in training images. There's been suggestions. I mean, the the fact that the club put out the images uh, about Partey training has always been a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a, you know, you, you, you give that boost to the fans of seeing Partey in training and then for him not to be in the next game squad is a bit of a like, oh, that's a downer. Um, but I suppose you want to you want to give a lift in some ways. He was asked about if Rice was one of those players uh, that he has to make a late call on. He said he is one of those players. Yes, he's done some work, but has missed some work as well. Hopefully he's going to be okay. And he was asked about Gabriel and he said, yeah, he's another one of those too, as I've mentioned, he has been carrying uh, a knock, um, which is which is what we've come to expect as well. Uh, there wasn't anything in the press conference asked about um, kind of transfers, considering it was and it is deadline day 
um, on Thursday. There was nothing asked to him in the broadcast section, at least. I haven't seen the, the embargo section yet of the uh, of the press conference, but uh, certainly there was nothing said in regards to the broadcast section on transfers. However, he did do an interview with uh, TNT Sports in which he confirmed that there wouldn't be any more deals in terms of incomings. He says it wasn't possible to do any January deals. We didn't have the capacity to improve the team in the way that we think uh, we want to improve it. So we decided not to do something yet. We have one of the thinnest squads in the league, that's for sure. And I suppose that this is going to obviously bring about frustration for supporters. It's going to bring about the most frustration for supporters that, if I'm being very blunt and honest, don't understand what actually has gone on this window and why Arsenal can't do business is the way that we would maybe like them to. I always like to stress that this does not come from a reluctance to spend money or a reluctance to buy players. That is certainly not what this is about. It is that they simply cannot and they're not able to do the business that they want to do, as he says, yet. But the summer is what they're going to be expected to really attack to to improve the squad for next season. And sadly, um, we we can't see um, any deals happening unless there is a really big surprise um, in the next couple of days uh, regarding uh, an outgoing, which frees up some funds or a loan. But again, I really don't think that's going to happen. And for those that think, well, we have the option to do a loan and we've not done that either. Well, a loan is also really really difficult to do and because of that you can't if you're trying to find a player that you can sign on loan they've got to be the requisite quality to adds to what you've already got and also they've got to be available on a temporary basis with no transfer fee attached and to find that player is really really hard uh, lynn says tom i don't think this is true and i think there might be a surprise on the last day lynn i hope you're right we know arteta is not exactly always a hundred percent truthful uh, in some of his answers so we can be we can be hopeful we can keep our fingers crossed that there is going to be a surprise on deadline day i would be shocked if there is one um but we will wait and see uh, i can see a lot of you are asking about cedric and nuno tavares the nuno tavares links to marseille have gone very quiet because marseille did sign a left back um so i'd be surprised now if they do move for Tavares, there were talks between the clubs but sadly nottingham forest it seems weren't able to come to an agreement about terminating that loan move. Uh, they still needed the player, of course, whilst the likes of Ivory Coast, who, of course, progressed in surprising fashion. <laughs> Amazing scenes, really, when you consider the fact that Ivory Coast sacked their manager and then then progressed and have now reached, uh, what, the quarterfinals after beating Senegal yesterday. So uh, that's really quite interesting. But uh, Nottingham Forest, obviously, affected by those players as well. Um, and so I really do hope that we can find solutions for the players like Tavares and Cedric in the long term, but it doesn't seem that that will happen in this window. Cedric could still leave. Uh, there's an expectation that there will continue to be talks with clubs in Turkey over the potential move of, of Cedric, but uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. And of course, we'll bring you any updates of that when that happens. Right, let's go to part two and your questions then right after this. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, uh, let's jump into the chat box. I saw a question about the Turkish January window or winter window and when it runs from. Uh, it says, I'm trying to have a look of when it closes. So Turkey, it says, according to transfer marks during this season, if it works for me, uh, Turkey closes on February 9th. So deals can still be done with Turkish teams all the way up until February Ninth, um, Brazilian markets, I think, open till all the way through to March, potentially. So Marquinhos could leave any time between now and March. But there are lots of other windows still open. Portugal is open till the 2nd uh, of February. Um, you've got club uh, nations like Israel is open to February 6th. Austria is open till February 6th. Romania is February 12th. Um, it's quite late. Croatia is open to February 15th. Switzerland's also open to February 15th. Poland until February 22nd, um, Serbia until February 16th, obviously, obviously the Eastern European side of things as well. But yeah, interesting to see how many of these countries are open. Sweden and Norway are open till March, April time. So, and they open in February or end of January. So there could still be moves in the market after the English window closes. And Russ, they don't get longer. It's just a different time frame. Um, so their windows open at different stages and close at different stages because usually their their seasons start at different times compared to ours. So Turkey's window opens on January 11th, uh, as opposed to ours opening on January 1st. So the windows are different depending upon when the league seasons are. So it's not about being unfair. Different leagues open at different times, but they're still very similar periods of time that they are open for. Um, let's jump into the chat. Uh, Kish says, thoughts on ex-Celtic uh, forward Jota that is linked to West Ham. I thought that he could have been a good addition for us in the summer. I'm not sure, Kish, if, the, if it would have been. I don't know how much football he's even been able to play because my best knowledge of that matter was that he signed for, was it Al-Itahad? And then they signed so many players outside of the quota that he actually couldn't end up playing. Uh, which seemed a bit strange. Let me just double-check how many games he's actually played. Yeah, he's played five league games in the Saudi Pro League, and then he's not been eligible for any of the league games since September, rather crazily. So, because he, um, he wasn't registered. He did play in the, um, the AFC Champions League, the Asia Champions League, um, and scored in their recent 2-1 win over Sepahan um in their group but uh beyond that he's not been able to play because of elig eligibility rules but i don't think that would have been the right move for us uh, alva mod says how come we didn't make a move for victor goya Carres? probably because we didn't have 80 odd million quids in the bank to spend well, not in the bank but we didn't have the 80 million pound freedom to spend on players um as well um Let's go to uh, Joshua says, uh, why do we expend so much energy moaning about the club that we support um, or we purport to support? Uh, just get behind the manager and the team. What happens, happens. It's just a game of football. Joshua, you're never going to get on board with everybody with, with words like that saying it's just a game of football. Whilst I empathize with the view, I think that ultimately 
it's going to be very, very, very difficult to get people looking at it in, in the same fashion as you. People are allowed to criticize. I always say that you're allowed to be critical as long as you come and back up those criticisms um, as as long as it's respectful as well. But uh, you can still support and criticize at the same time. It is possible. Uh, Jimbo says because he's an Arsenal player, it's boring people whining about it and missing his improvements or his impact in matches who are we talking about we're we talking about i mean it sounds like you're talking about Havertz <laughs> at this stage uh more than anything else but you'll have to let me know who it is uh talk politics is tom we recalled omar wreckage who was doing well at wigan despite his injuries do you think they consider him ready to fight for a first team place i don't think we did recall him i think his loan spell ended did it not i was pretty sure his loan spell ended with wigan but i might be wrong omar wreckage recalled i hold my hands up if i am but i felt like i read it um as like his loan just came to an end um with wigan uh wigan loan let me just double check it i thought i didn't think it was a recall i thought it was yes uh let's go to the wigan website it says um arsenal defender my record just returned to wigan athletic on loan and oh that's the wrong that's the one when he actually signed there was a wigan athletic article about him returning yes Omar Rakic returns to Arsenal following the expiration of his loan spell yes it wasn't a recall uh the loan expired so yeah it was not a case of, of us recalling him and maybe he'll go out on loan again between now and then of the season otherwise he'll just be with the under 21s um but he is over the age of 21 so he would be one of the over 21 players in the squad uh he's i think he's what 22 yeah so i think he would probably count as one of the over 21s in that under 21 youth squad uh mark says tom what do you think uh of the development of Lukonga and whether we'll recall him after his loan spell ends well he will obviously return when his loan ends at the end of this season i don't know what will happen with him in the summer of course he's been doing quite well since actually returning from his injury problems that he had in the first half of the season and his return to the Luton team has coincided with definitely an, an improvement in form of Luton overall and, and he can certainly be credited with uh, an improvement of that form because of his performances and because of his contributions to Rob Edwards uh, team so Let's wait and see, I suppose, what happens with uh, with Lukonga. I tweeted out the other day saying, this might be a bit of a hot take, but I don't think Lukonga's story at Arsenal is necessarily over yet. So let's let's wait and see. I mean, if, if you're going to bring Lukonga back, you're going to lose. If we lose Jorginho, if we don't renew him, if we lose El Elneny and we don't renew him, and if we lose Partey, if we sell him, we bring in, say, a Zubamendi, we're still kind of short in midfield. So it might make sense, actually, to reintegrate Lukonga to some extent, if we lose a key number of players from that midfield area and we don't have the funds or the financial freedom necessarily to replace all of them. So, yeah, let's let's see what happens in the summer. But uh, I, I don't think the door is necessarily 100% closed. And I have asked Arteta personally about whether or not, you know, there is still a pathway for certain players that leave on loan like Charlie Patino. And he always stresses that they look within first. They look internally. They see, is there a solution to what we need internally before we look at the transfer market which is what you should do you should look internally first and if you don't feel as though the players that you have at your disposal are good enough that is when you go into the market if you can so yeah let's let's see uh, Oki says 65 million which could have been spent better in the summer or now when we need reinforcement the last two years we have suffered late in the season disappointment after not doing enough business in january again the, the Havertz deal is certainly going to be something that is is fairly criticized um, if it doesn't end up working out for us. 
Uh, it did seem, uh, I think people have called it something of a luxury deal we did in the summer, and I agree. I don't agree with those that say that Havertz was brought in to replace Xhaka. I really do think that Partey and Rice was the long-term partnership plan, and Rice's arrival is what ultimately pushed out and made the decision so much easier for Xhaka to move on. Uh, Ghostbuster says, Tom, how many players do you think Arsenal need in the summer? I personally think we need two forwards, two midfielders and a defender. I think we need a centre-forward. I think we need a wide player. I think we need at least one midfielder, maybe even two. And I think we are going to need another defender as well, maybe two. So I don't think you're that far off, to be honest. And that's just because it's not just about the fact that we've not finished the project in time. It's because there is also a natural churn of players. As players get older, as we're experiencing with Partey and Jorginho and El Elneny, of course, as well, as some players just seem to be proven to be not good enough and are sold, in my opinion, like Eddie Nketiah, for instance, there is a natural churn of players. Uh, Andy says, Tom, have you got your live show cast yet? Yes, Andy, I do. But it is a surprise and it will be kept a surprise until the day. So I'm afraid you can't keep poking me for hints. It is going to be a surprise. So just wait and see. Um, Magambo says, are Smithrow links to Napoli true? They might be interested, but Arsenal have no interest in letting him go. That's for sure. Uh, Alexander says, uh, what would this season be like if we had Timber and Partey? Football can be so cruel. You're absolutely right. It might be very different, but we've got to deal with what we've got and we've got to try and deal. We've got to try and play with what we've got. And there are games we should have won despite, you know, yes, we've not had those players, but with the players that we did have, like Fulham away, West Ham at home, we should still be winning those games. So you can't always look to injuries. It's certainly been an effect on this season, but certainly you have to also take it in context and we deserve to win those games as well. Uh, Papalova says, Tom, I think Liverpool game will define and shape our season. So it's a must win. I agree. And I've said this, this week is probably the most important week in Arsenal's title challenge hopes. We have to win both games, I think, to, to be very much in it. We have to at minimum win tonight and then avoid defeat against Liverpool to stay hanging on to it. But I think, you know, really, we have to be looking at these two games as as must wins. Um, as to be honest, is is what if you're in a title race, every single game is is really a must win. It's very difficult to not have games as a as a must win. I mean, Man City away becomes more of a must win the, the closer we get to it because of uh, you know we need to pick up the points and we need to take points off of our rivals as well. So that is really really important. Uh, Tizer says, so when you say that we need two forwards and two midfielders and a defender, who would you sell and who would you buy to fill the positions in an ideal world? Yeah, and that's that last line of being an ideal world is is the hardest part. I often do say that the centre forward, it's always important to wait, I think, until the summer before you put, start putting your chips down on certain players or certain positions. I can tell you who I think needs to be moved on. You know, I think Eddie Nketiah, um, his time at Arsenal is is probably coming to, in my opinion, I think we need to be looking at upgrading and getting, you know, improving certain positions. I think that um, you look at the wide areas, Reese Nelson, of course, as well. Another one you could perhaps see uh, Partey moving on because of his his injury record is is not sustainable. And so replacing him with a Martin Zabamundi, I did a piece about him yesterday and what he would, how he would replace Partey. And there's some really good signs from his numbers that he's producing with Sociedad, of course, as well. So uh, I, I, I think that um, it's more the outgoings you can be definitive about. But incomings, I think you have to wait until the summer and the end of this season before you can start making judgments about who we should bring in. Because things can change so quickly. A player that I want now could get an ACL injury tomorrow and be out for nine months. You know, or a player that I want now could ultimately have a really poor end to the campaign as well. Um, let's go to Marcus says, Genk's VAR error and match replay. Your thoughts? Is this a dangerous or good precedent? 
Genk match replay. I heard whispers on social media yesterday. Um, okay, so let's go on the BBC report of this. A Belgian Pro League match between Anderlecht and Genk will be replayed in full because of an error made by the video assistant referee. The incident occurred in Genk's 2-1 defeat by Anderlecht at Lotto Park on the 22nd of December when Eurosaur scored a rebound from a missed penalty. VAR disallowed the goal because the Genk saw encroached in the area, but ignored encroachment by two Anderlecht players. A Genk appeal based on the rules being misapplied by VAR was upheld. And Law 14.3 of the International Football Association Board states that if there is encroachment by both a defending and attacking player, the penalty kick should be retaken regardless of whether the kick is scored or not. And Genk said in a statement that the disciplinary council of professional football has declared itself competent to rule on the matter, which overturned the earlier decision of the professional referee department not to replay the match. The statement added that the council then followed Genk's argument that the match officials misapplied the rules and a penalty phase in question. A date for the match to be replayed has not yet been agreed. Genk are fifth in the Belgian top flight, while record 34 times champions and elect sit second. Very interesting indeed. Of course, in the article, it referenced the Liverpool-Tottenham controversy, which would be massive in in regard to the title race. You know, that game being replayed could mean that not only do Liverpool get a chance to win that, but they could be a, a chance to be unbeaten if they were winning that game. Um, does it set a dangerous precedent if you replay entire matches because of those decisions? Arguably. Arguably it does. Um, because a team might be in a very different state come the day of the game of the replay. Different players might be available that weren't available then. Is that in essence within, is that honouring the game as is? I don't know. I, I don't know if it does. I'm not sure. I think in these situations, you just have to accept that a mistake happens and that meddling too much and replaying a game, I think, takes things too far. That's where I sit right now, based upon just reading that report and coming up with an opinion on it, based on the limited discussion we've had on it. I could probably be convinced otherwise if people come up with good enough counter-arguments, but I think that it's it sets a uh, worrying... kind of, Because then where does it stop? At what point, at what VAR decision is worth a replay, and what isn't? Is a red card? Is an offside? Is a goal being disallowed? You know, at what point do you say this is worth a replay and this isn't? I think it sets a worrying precedent, personally. Uh, Dale says, what was the plan for Havertz? It sounds like it was primarily as a sub, plan B off the bench and rotational starter makes the £65 million price tag even more ridiculous. I think, Dale, if you're thinking about it like that, you're forgetting that lineups are different. I think you're forgetting that £100 million Jack Grealish is sometimes on the bench for Manchester City. Arteta wanted more options. Arteta wanted variation in his squad. And sadly, he hasn't been able to utilize either of Havertz or, of course, because he's been injured, Timber, I think, in the way that ultimately we've wanted to see them. So, Dale, I think you're missing out some key context in that criticism. Without a doubt, the, the, the deal in itself, the Havertz move as a player and how he's performed since then can be scrutinized. But the thinking behind the deal, I still think, is, is sound. And actually, yesterday, Tom raised a really, really good point, Tom Sable, on our preview show. And if you look back at Havertz's performances this season, you can point to maybe three or four ones that, you know, weren't good. But actually, he has contributed, I think, more than he's been criticised and he isn't given enough credit for what he's done. But in the context of a £65 million signing, we'd want more. And I don't think that's a, an unfair position to to be in. Uh, Phil White says, Tom, what did you make of Arteta's comments saying Arsenal have one of the thinnest squads in the league? Um 
I mean, I think there was two sides to it. I think one, you can say he's right. We do because of injuries. We have one of the thinnest teams in the league. But B, you have to argue that, well, if you have a thin squad, could money have been that was spent on Havertz be spent differently? And I, I, I think that you could argue that, yeah, it probably could have been. That £65 million could have been spent differently so that it's not as thin as it is now. So I think there is two sides and two a balanced response to that suggestion. But uh, ultimately, it's always, as I say, important to not take Arteta's words so literally. Because if you do, you're always going to find pitfalls with them because what he says in a press conference and what happens to be the reality and what he's holding back and what he's not saying are very, very different. So, yeah. And like it says, you can get two starting players, 65 million. And we have Zinchenko and Erdegaard cost 65 million quid about that figure. So we know that we can get two starting quality players for 65 million pounds, which is why it will go down as a signing. I think at the moment that will be scrutinized for potentially having been um, and could have been spent better. Um, so yeah, there you go. Uh, Oki says, if some butts will never have a fully fit squad for an entire season, having a couple of quality players covering three or four positions is risky as Harry argued recently it is because if you do lose one of those players that's very versatile you lose them across multiple areas so Tommy Asu not being available is a big loss Timber not being available is a big loss uh when Trossard's not available he can be a big loss of depth uh in in the forward line uh Partey who can cover at centre mid CDM and right back for Arteta is a big loss and he's a big loss anyway you know let alone because of the positions that he's covered also but yeah you're right the number of positions we lose if we have players that try and fit multiple areas if you lose them for extended periods they can um, be very very frustrating indeed uh Yassin says the thinnest squad argument is not viable since they've opted for players with versatility I think Harry raised the problems with going for versatile players I think that the versatile player strategy works I just think that we haven't got it completely you know to the level that we want it at we haven't got enough depth in enough positions that we want we're still not finished with our recruitment and our squad building is not complete yet so an incomplete squad which focuses on versatility is going to have flaws I don't think that's too controversial to point out a squad that they we look at as going yep that's complete like you look at Liverpool's squad when Liverpool squad last season you look at man uh, was was obviously really depleted, but the season before that, it was looking pretty strong. I think Liverpool are not too far away from that team being complete, but still, of course, are are in a problem now where they've got Allison and Salah and uh, Van Dijk in an aging bracket of their players, and will probably need to be replaced in the coming year. Will definitely need to be replaced in the coming seasons as well. Uh, PW says Zinchenko is not quality. Odegaard is. I think that's incredibly harsh on Zinchenko, considering he's a player that evolved that left-back position and it coincided with him joining and starting the majority of games in a left-back position from us being a team that challenged for top four to a team that challenged for a title. So people's memories are far, far too short for me with Zinchenko. Uh, Marcus says, are you aware of FA rule 2.3456, subset 3.2, whereby you must inform attendees in advance of who guest speakers will be at a live show? I'm not Marcus. I will probably just have to take the fine uh, in that case. <laughs> uh, mine says versatility definitely has downsides. One player backing up more than one position is a huge flaw, but it's also a big benefit. If you've got a really good player that can cover multiple positions and they're actually a reliable figure in the squad, it is a really good strategy. Sadly, we've had really bad luck. I get the argument that you're never going to have a fully fully fit squad all season, but frankly, the luck that we have had with injuries has been 
deplorably black, deplorably bad. It has been really, really poor. So, yes, I get the argument. I get the context. But I, I still think that it's a viable strategy when it's complete. And at the moment, it's not complete. And that's just the squad building uh, kind of stage where we're at. When you come in three and a half, uh, three and a half full seasons ago, now into our fourth full season, and you've had to rip up the entire squad, barring some of your young gems, it's going to take longer. It's going to take multiple summers to get the squad to where it is. And it's not going to be completed within those summers because the players that you signed at the start of that project, in some cases, or the players that you kept at the start of that project, have now reached the stage of their career three and a half years later where they then need to be replaced. It is an ongoing process, but we still haven't reached the peak that this squad, I think, under Arteta can get to under what the plan is in the market. Um, and it was never realistic that that would happen in the amount of time that, that he's had and the amount of summer transfer winners that we have, which, of course, are 2020, 2021, 2022, and 2023. And um, we're always going to see a churn. As we get to our fifth summer under Arteta this year coming, um, I'm expectant that our, our squad should be in a very competitive position come the end of this summer window. If it's not, then there's some really big questions to be had about our recruitment strategy. Uh, Adalbas says, having versatile players helps identify the proper needs in the squad whilst buying some time until you can actually find the right players to fill those roles. Short term, it can be a good tactic and it is fair. But obviously now going into our fifth summer, we're not really in the short term phase of the Arteta plan. We're in the mid to, to long term phase of this Arteta plan. Obviously, a, a manager like Klopp and, and Pep that are in their seventh and eight years are in their long term part of their projects. We're in the mid to late coming into this summer. So we need to make sure that we've got the squad in a position after this summer transfer window that is that is very competitive. Otherwise, questions. Um, Archangel says, every team gets injuries. That is expected. Arteta insists in keeping the squad small and multi-skilled. I don't think he does at all, actually. I don't think he does insist on keeping the squad small whatsoever. I think he's worked within the confines of what we've been, been able to work in to a degree. Could he have spent better the Havertz money to add an extra player, and it would be no more than an extra player because you'd split that 65 into two, perhaps. Um, sure, but he doesn't insist on the squad being small because he recognises that it's thin. And if he's saying that he thinks the squad is one of the thinnest in the league, he must recognise in himself that obviously he still thinks more is needed. Uh, Alexander says Havertz is a confidence player. He needs to hear our support, in my view. I guess that's why I resist against any negative chat for him. It strikes me as a sensitive guy with his philanthropy and stuff like that. Of course, he's, he's a really decent bloke, uh, is Kai Havertz. But um, you're right to say I think he's a confidence player. But he's been out at Chelsea for a while in which he was his confidence was gradually pounded into the ground. He needs to be rebuilt. I don't think we needed to embark upon a project this summer. We decided to, and I think that he's come back to bite us in some ways this season. But I hope that in the long term, it does end up working out for us. Uh, Dale says, in general, uh, what do you think Arsenal should do with their injury-prone players? It appears Tierney and Partey will be gone in the summer, but what about Zinni, Jesus and Tommy? Um, Tommy, I think, should stay. Zinchenko is an interesting one. I think that that left-back position could still be evolved, but that might be through Timber. So we may have already found the player to evolve that, that position, but he still may be the right-back. We'll have to wait and see. Jesus, I think we know Jesus' injury issues, but... We've got enough players in Trossard and Havertz to cover that role as well. So Enketia would be moved on for me. Jesus would be kept. And then we'd sign a centre forward to really try and involve that position one more. But I think I'd keep Zinchenko. But I, I think we've got Timber coming back from these injury issues that he's had. Uh, an ACL problem, if rehabbed efficiently and effectively, can stay away 
for a really long time. You know, if you are, if you do the rehab perfectly, if you build up the right amount of strength and with a little bit of luck, you can play out the rest of your career at the top, top elite level and never experience that injury again. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Hector Bellerin's a great example of that. But I hope that Timber turns out to be the evolution of our fullback areas uh, into the long term. And I look forward to seeing what he brings to the team when he does, of course, return. Uh, Mark says, Tom, I'd love to hear whether you think we do well to start Smith Rowe, especially since we're in thin in midfield. No one favoured him in the Forest preview, but I think he would do well at the Forest as well. I did actually favour him in the Crystal Palace preview. It's worth pointing out. Um, I, I would have liked to have seen Smith Rowe start that game. He came on and got a good cameo against Palace. If it is indeed that um, Rice and, of course, Gabriel are out, we're going to have to have changes into the midfield. Jorginho coming in probably. Kivior coming into the left centre-back position. Will Smith Rowe take up a role in the midfield? It's difficult to know because, of course, he lacks something of the... Well, he lacks something of the defensive side to his game. He's very good going forwards, but defensively there are question marks. Um, so I guess there's an argument to play him, but I still think that we probably won't see him start. But stranger things have happened. Uh, Maximus is hi, Tom. Have you seen the report about Villa being under pressure with profit and sustainability rules and needing to raise funds by June to stay compliant? Any good players that we could poach from them? Um Let's have a quick look if we can find the details of that story first. Um, aggressive FFP declaration made as Aston Villa verdict looms. Aston Villa's president of business operations, Chris Heck, claims Premier League clubs who have breached profit and steady rules should receive aggressive punishments. Villa, as well as every other Premier League club, will soon learn whether or not they have been charged. Of course, we knew that. This was back on the 15th of January. But, uh, I mean, that's fine if we can get something more up-to-date. Uh, FFP... Uh, Aston Villa. Villa can leverage new transfers against FFP. Uh, here we go. So we're... Boom, 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 boom. Dan, Dan Plumley has insisted that Aston Villa targeting younger players in the January transfer window will help their financial fair play situation. The finance expert admitted that long-term investment can be used to leverage against FFP with the strategy to be lauded by those outside the club. It obviously helps from FFP perspective if you're signing younger players where the transfer fees are going to be smaller we know that Aston Villa are trying to look at signing younger players. They were trying to sign that player from Middlesbrough um, recently as well. Um, but if Jacob Ramsey is one of those players, of course, that's being linked with a potential exit, which I'm surprised about because he's one of those young players that they've already got. I suppose they could look to sell him because he came through their academy, I think, did he not? So, But when you look at that squad at Aston Villa, uh, Pau Torres is a fantastic centre-back but would be very expensive now if you wanted to try and sign him from, uh, from them. Um, elsewhere, though... Bubakar Kamara is a good midfielder. Douglas Louise, of course, is another one. Um, looking in their forward line, Ollie Watkins would go for a lot, but he's 28 years of age now. Um, so I'm not sure there's too much in terms of sell-on value. Similar kind of opinion to, to Ivan Tony. Leon Bailey's proven to be a, a, an improved winger. Diaby's not going anywhere. So it's, it's ironic because you look at that squad and you don't go, wow, this is, this is going to be a Champions League qualifying team necessarily because you don't look at that team and go yeah I'd have them and I'd have them um they've got a good midfield they've got decent defenders they've got you know some some good forwards if they were to have the same injury issues that we have had uh with some of their starting players I think they're, they've been very fortunate this season Villa with their injury record so when we talk about the idea of every team has injury issues well actually Villa haven't this season 
Villa have been very, very fortunate with their with their squad this season, and they've been able to keep pretty much their starting eleven as is. The only key player they've really lost is Emi Buendia um, so far during the campaign. Uh, and that's been about it. Tyro Mings, of course, but they've got such depth at centre-back as well with Diego Carlos coming back, with Pau Torres being there, Esri Concer, of course, still there as well. They they loaned in Clement Longley as well. They've got good depth at left-back. Um, but they've been really fortunate with the, the lack of injuries that they've had to deal with this season. So if that happens to them in the second half of the season, I'll be interested to see how they deal with that. Um Hussein says we'll end up getting Jon Duran. He's been linked with Chelsea at the moment, which I find really strange. I can't say that I rate the guy too highly, but apparently he is rated incredibly highly at 20 years of age. Um, for Colombia, he's got a goal in eight games. He scored four goals this season in 23 matches. I don't know why Chelsea are being so desperately linked with him, but yeah, it's a strange one, that one. Really strange one. I think we'll end the show there. We're starting to go off on a bit of a tangent about other clubs. It's always a good sign to, to bring the show to a close. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate your time as always. I'll be back uh, tomorrow morning to break down, of course, the game tonight against Nottingham Forest. You're traveling up to Nottingham because, of course, they're train strikes today. Then um, I wish you safe travels. Have a fantastic day um, and enjoy yourselves. Stay safe, stay well, stay respectful. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.